Mm-hmm. So, um, I just need to load the spreadsheet and we're good. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you have that link? Did you? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, cool. Alright. Um, You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Five, four, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Five Report, the podcast that will put Colonel Jessup on the stand because we want the truth and we know we can handle the truth. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for this evening. Along with me is my brother Peter. How's it going? And Ryan is sitting tonight out because, not because he's going back to school, like I mentioned, we had some technical issues with the episode that's supposed to release. Uh, next. So um, right before this one, we had some technical issues and Ryan said, I'm sitting out the podcast so I could fix the episode. And we're more concerned about our listeners' ears than anything else. So I said, great, go ahead and fix that. So Peter and I are flying solo tonight. Um, So that being said, um, I thought this was going to be a light news week because there was nothing on the plate. And then suddenly I started finding all this stuff. So let's try and ramble off things we watched first, and then okay. we'll go from there. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, do you want me to start? Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. So uh, last week I was talking about that uh, new Netflix movie, uh, Bandersnatch. Yeah, and I've been very curious about this because yeah. I was at a, a New Year's Eve party, and I brought it up. I'm like, has anyone watched Bandersnatch yet? And no one knew what I was talking about. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I've asked around, and Ryan said that he started it. I don't think he's finished it, but he started it. He thought it was really cool. So yeah. why don't you uh, have you have you watched any of that at all? I'm, okay, I'm planning. Um, I'm planning on watching it. I just haven't. So I don't want to say too much, but it's uh, it's very interesting. It's uh, watching it. I kind of felt like it was just right up my alley as far as like it's choose your own adventure. It takes place in the '80s. It's about video games. Like it's all things I love, but. Uh, they really, I think, do a good job of capturing that. If you've ever read Choose Your Own Adventure books, they really capture that um, feeling where you read a, a book, you read through one of the event adventures, and uh, you might end up dying, or your like your story ends in a disappointing way, and then you have to re go back to the beginning and redo it to see how far you can get. And uh, I kind of definitely had a really similar experience to that with it, so it was awesome. Um, I actually watched it with my wife at the time, and uh, there's this funny exchange where she was getting annoying because she thought every decision I was making was, like, the safe decision. And she's like, why do you keep picking the boring ones? But having, like, read as many choose-your-own-adventure books as I have, I was like, well, I want the guy to last as long as possible sort of thing. Like, I was trying to survive you know, the as long as possible. Die. Yeah, exactly. So... But um, since you haven't seen it yet, I won't say much else, but I look forward to you seeing it because cool. it's a very interesting to, well, thing to talk about. Well, so. as I get through my what did I watch this week, mm-hmm. you're going to go, oh, that's why you haven't watched, mm-hmm. you know, so um, um, did you see anything oh, else? Well, yeah, uh, one last thing I can say about Bandersnatch is like there's multiple different endings. One of the endings in it was, I thought, awesome and genius, and then some of them I didn't like as much, so that'll be a how interesting. Many, how many times did you go through it to have to see stuff? Uh, I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> I'll, just, that's, that's I'll let you experience it that's first, okay. and then I'll say. Um, and then otherwise, I also watched another uh, Netflix original series, uh, 
this new series called You, like Y-O-U. Have you heard of this no. at all or not? Wait, okay. have I? No, go ahead. Okay, so it's a new Netflix series. Like, I think it just came out, but uh, it's essentially about a guy who works at a bookstore, and uh, this girl comes into the bookstore, and he kind of, he, he ends up helping her find a book or something. They kind of flirt, they kind of hit it off, and uh, from there, <laughs> the guy ends up, like, kind of stalking her and it's like kind of like really creepy and stuff but it's kind of got like this Dexter sort of vibe where the main character is totally a villain but you kind of uh, really get interested in his story and it the way he goes about kind of following this girl around and stuff puts him in a lot of sort of uh, suspenseful situations then you're just kind of like sitting there on the, on the edge of your seat like how is this guy going to get out of this you know what's going to happen next sort of thing um uh, let's see, where else was I going with this? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really good. It's, uh, Greg Berlanti, I guess, has a hand in oh, it. Oh, right on. Uh, Greg Berlanti's got his hand in everything yeah. right now, so. Um, and then, it's kind of weird because it's a Netflix original, but you can tell they filmed it with regular cable TV in mind because there's definitely commercial breaks built into the episode, but it's on Netflix. That's so funny. Yeah, it's hilarious, <laughs> but... It's uh, it's super cool if you like kind of those like kind of like a, a darker sort of series. But it has uh, if you're into like like reading at all or like kind of like book like humor and Easter eggs. There's tons of just kind of like bibliophile jokes like scattered throughout the series. So I definitely cool. recommend it um, for that. Before I, before we move on, speaking of book humor. Um, Something I remembered seeing in Aquaman that I meant to talk about last week right. when we talked was in the opening of the movie when you're getting the exposition uh, uh, backstory when Aquaman's kind of narrating his origin a little bit. He's like telling you the story about how his parents met. Yeah. They show the snow globe with the lighthouse in the mm-hmm. snow globe. If you look real closely, it's sitting on top of an H.P. Lovecraft book. Yeah. Which yeah. I chuckled at and then it almost was like this weird foreshadowing mm-hmm. into something that happens later. So I just, <laughs> I didn't know how many people caught that. And I just thought it was really kind of, yeah, yeah. I saw it. I remember thinking like, Oh, that's funny. HP Lovecraft. And then I was like, Oh, well, I mean, James Wan's probably just a fan and stuff. And then yeah. And, into the movie, like I didn't think of it till afterwards, but I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Right. It just made me, it just made me laugh. I want to yeah. bring it up. So book humor, right? Um, <laughs> nice. Was that all you watched? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Okay, so first, uh, Fuller House came back on Netflix. Um, I grew up with the original Full House series. DJ Tanner was one of my original childhood crushes, so of course I am still watching Fuller House <laughs> okay. on Netflix. Nice. Um, I do feel that in the evolution of writing. It has made uh, the old show Full House not nearly as good as what they're doing with Fuller House. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, it's still, look, it is still the family comedy cheese ball. Like, I mean, this is a very brainless, turn your mind off, watch kind of thing. There is not really a lot of, like, honestly, it's not really a lot of substance, and everything's like, yep, saw that coming, saw that coming, yep, you know, you might laugh at a joke, you might go, that's not as funny <laughs> as I think they wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and it's very unrealistic, but it is dying, doing exactly what it means to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just funny and goofy and... You know, that's, I mean, if you rem- remember, if you grew up with the originals or remember the original, you're going to like this. And I know that anyone who's listening to this going, yeah, I totally agree with you because it's pretty great. So Fuller House came back. I ended up watching the whole season because 
they're half hours and you burn through them real fast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I watched the movie uh, House with the Clock in His Walls. Okay. I, I know about this. I okay. don't know. Like, I've seen the trailer for it. I still don't know if I know what it's about. <laughs> I know it has Jack Black in it. This was a, uh, the kid wanted to watch it, so we watched mm-hmm. it. And um, here's the thing. I, I really had no interest to watch this to begin with. Mm-hmm. But what caught my attention right away is when they got to the end of the opening credits and it said directed by Eli Roth. <laughs> and okay. I and I and I sat straight up and I was like Eli Roth, the horror director. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird, right? So um, at, there's a point in the movie where this little kid had he's talking about this TV show he likes called Captain Indomitable. Well, eventually you get to see a clip of it on a TV in a background, and Captain Indomitable is played by Eli Roth. So it's this really goofy like okay. Um, uh, shoehorned cameo for Eli Roth, which made me chuckle, but the. It's basically a movie about witches, like warlocks. Okay. Um, it is very kid-friendly, family humor stuff. But if you know Eli Roth as a horror director, there are so many things that are so Eli Roth creepy in the movie that I was just... I was having a <laughs> lot of fun with watching. Okay, cool. Um, so <laughs> nice. I say if you like Eli Roth, you're probably going to like the movie because it was clearly him going, let's make a kid's movie and... Yeah. Let's make a kid's horror movie. It reminds me of uh, like when Robert Rodriguez did Spy Kids and stuff like right. that. Because everything he did before, his kids probably couldn't ever even have the chance to <laughs> to watch. Right. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I watched that. And then, like I said, as soon as we stopped recording last week, I fired up Titans and watched the final two episodes. Cool. Um, the second to last episode was really good and uh, kind of set the pit pace for the season finale and with the season finale spoilers um batman is apparently in it but here's what's interesting is that batman's technically not in it um it was such an amazing like that finale was amazing like it was so cool how everything was pieced together and everything um i don't want to really go too many into spoilers but um I was really impressed with the character cameos and Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. My favorite one was the Scarface reference. Oh, yeah. That was great. Um, just because, like, you got to see Scarface live action for the first time. Like, that was awesome. Like, yeah. of course, you're going to see Two-Face. Of course, they had the Riddler thing. Of course, you know what I mean? But when they saw when I saw Scarface, I, that really floored me. Um, but, again, this comes back to me wanting more Hawk and Dove. <laughs> right. Like I and I'm like very troubled by what happened between Robin and Dove. Like I want I want that relationship story to happen and I just yeah. and like I again like I just want more of that character. They, so they did this weird thing with the series. This is going to be a total like a bit of a spoiler, but at the the second to last <laughs> episode it ends on a huge cliffhanger and then you're just waiting to see what happens and then the last episode it picks up in a way that you do not expect at all. No, not and at kind all. of still leaves you hanging at the end um, with even more questions. So right. I, I've really enjoyed the series. I just it's just left me right. wanting and more. And I can't and I can't wait for season two. Mm-hmm. I'm just really like, and I, they've got one of my favorite characters. They've kind of foreshadowed like his entrance <laughs> into the series. Can too. I ask? Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So um, and I don't want to spoil that. I, I when you said that big question mark hit my head mm-hmm. and it very quickly yeah. disappeared. Um, because I was, I wouldn't, you know, what's funny is I didn't, exp- I was sitting there watching the finale going, 
make sure I stay to the end of the credits. <laughs> um, and it makes me wonder if I missed something in the other credits, like editing, cutting an episode <laughs> early. And if I did, I did. No big deal. Yeah, but, possibly. Um, but that was a big one to miss if I missed, you know, if <laughs> right I wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to miss. Yeah. So. I, I do want to rewatch that episode because when I did watch it, I was... Uh, like dozing off a little bit it was like really late at night when i actually sat down to watch it but it was late for me because i watched them back to back (laughs) right away after we stopped recording so um speaking of titans uh this is kind of random but uh young justice season three comes out i think tomorrow like in real time tomorrow which i'm pretty excited oh and when when peter says in real time we record (laughs) the episode early to account for our schedule of episode release. So, yeah. <laughs> well, if that's cool that Young Justice comes out, are they? Do you know if they're releasing it the same way? I think they might be. So I think okay. they might be week by week. So okay, that's fine. I'll fire that up and check out Young <laughs> Justice because <laughs> right. I, I was want, look, I was looking forward to that too. I wanted to binge the first two seasons, so I got to get cracking on that. Like, yeah, I've seen them all, but it's been a couple of years. So. Right. Um, well, let's talk some news. Let's talk some new stuff uh, where I thought things weren't going to be. Uh, Heavy. Um, so, a couple of these we can scroll through pretty quick. So, for example, Captain Marvel's uh, runtime was released today. Uh, real time today. <laughs> okay. As the time of this recording. Uh, so, it's clocking in at two hours and ten minutes. Which is interesting because that includes credits. So, um... It sounds like a movie. It Well, it sounds <laughs> like a movie, but most Marvel films yeah. are clocking in like two hours, twenty minutes, two and a half hours. Like, DC's clocking in two and a half to plus hour. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? So... Two hours and ten minutes is a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty decent length film. Anyway, I just, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, not much to say. It's just, You're going to get a solid two hours, which is good. If it was like an hour and a half, then it might be, you might be kind of like, well, that's kind of crazy. Well, a story Marvel fast, has but. turned into a television show, like I've said before. And, you know, I, I have to see Captain Marvel before I go see Endgame. And yeah. I have to see Endgame before I see Spider-Man Far From Home. And I got to see Spider-Man Far From Home before I see whatever comes after that, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah. I just, yeah. All right. I, so. I, I just kind of joke as like saying it sounds like a movie just because two hours and ten minutes just sounds like the most reasonable time limit it's, for in a terms movie of today, ever, In terms so. of today's standards, yeah. that's the most reasonable. Um, okay, uh, Batwoman pilot. So DC did a big crossover uh, for the CW and Batwoman was introduced and we got to see, got a taste of it. It's supposed to go to series. Um, if you don't understand how TV works, you pitch a show. It goes into like a pre-production. They have to film a pilot first, um, and then the pilot goes to like basically a panel sits and watches the pilot and go, "Hey, we really like that. Let's see what else you guys can do." And then it goes, and then eventually they they'll order what five episodes to be filmed and then they'll go from there and if they like what they see and they'll pick it up full full, full uh, for a full series mm-hmm. um so the batwoman pilot has been picked up which means they'll be moving forward uh so it's all just good news we just after i want it so anything good news in terms of that category anything of it showing it moves forward you know I think it's yeah, it's awesome. I was mostly just surprised with how soon that happened because Elseworld, uh, Elseworlds like just happened and then it's already being picked up. Right. Which is awesome. So what they have to do is what they have to get the pilot and everything ready now because they have to film for the show to release in the fall. Mm-hmm. So you know that's the thing where like a movie you'll find out like a director like Steven Spielberg just signed to direct this movie. 
Well, that you know how early it was like you might not see that movie for two to three years after that announcement of him signing onto the, to yeah. the movie. You know, like Ready Player One, for example. When I found out that Steven Spielberg was directing it, it was three years before the movie was even ready for a trailer mm-hmm. to show us. So you know, we have to hear about this stuff early so we can get it later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about Pirates of the Caribbean real quick. Okay. Did you know they're making another Pirates movie? I've heard, a, like, yeah, I've heard a little bit about this, but okay. go on. They're going to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I didn't know it was a reboot, a f- but I don't, here's what I know. When they say reboot, I think to myself, oh my gosh, you're changing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I dug a little deeper. Disney basically is going, this makes money. We want more pirates. So we're going to tell a whole new pirate story in the universe of Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, and that's kind of what I took it as instead of a reboot, more of just like another story right. in that universe. There will be no Johnny Depp. There will be no Jack Sparrow. Now, I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, no Jack Sparrow. What I like about this is that Jack Sparrow still exists, and he could be even mentioned in dialogue, but he exists in the ethos of the universe they created for those movies. Yeah. That doesn't mean they can't someday have him come back as a cameo in like the third part of this new trilogy or yeah. whatever they're doing um, I don't know if it's a trilogy I just know they want to do a new Pirates thing so the idea is that they could always bring him back but what I thought was interesting is that not using Johnny Depp is going to save them up to a minimum of 90 million dollars <laughs> Nice. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with just his salary or stuff revolved around what they'd have to pay him to be there mm-hmm. uh, it, he's not making 90 million for pirates it's just there's a cost of having certain things going on on set and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was interesting so if you can save him money on one area that's just going to make him that's going to make him use that money somewhere else yeah to make something better. I, I like the idea of like someday he might come back too and they could even have a uh elderly uh right and they're not saying he's dead they're just saying that they're not using him so he's not going to be a part of this so it'll be something brand new yeah um i remember i think it was in the second uh in a dead man's chest when they had kind of like a meeting of a bunch of different pirate captains does that sound yeah okay so like third the third movie it's in the third world's end okay so they could do that again and have like like an older more grizzled Captain Jack Sparrow maybe come in in a right. few movies from now, and that could be like really cool, and you'd get excited to see him again as opposed to, oh, I've already seen this guy every other movie, you know, who cares? Right, or you, know? you go off and you tell another story, and somewhere someone's like, well, I know one person who can help us, and they have to go find Jack Sparrow. He doesn't have to be a big part of the story, yeah, but maybe he has this really cool like bit in the movie as a supporting character, and then he disappears back into the ethos again. Yeah, sometimes a character go find him at the world's end. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes a character, when they do that with characters in any franchise, it's really cool. You don't have to kill everybody to be compelling. Sometimes you just need the character to disappear into the world you created because you always have the opportunity to bring them back. So, I don't know. Just a thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, you want to talk the big ones? Sure. Well, there's one that's really funny, and then we'll uh, dive into one of them a little deeper. So let's talk the funny one real quick. Yeah, sounds good. Um, So, uh, yeah, so there's the movie Bird Box on Netflix. I think I talked about it last week or something. Starring uh, Sandra Bullock. Mm -hmm. It's a really good horror movie. It's very... um, open-ended like you can watch it and you can bring a lot of your own sort of meanings and concepts to it but the thing is in the movie there's these uh monsters that are attacking the people in the movie 
And uh, the way they attack people is you look at them. So, like, when you're outside of your house, when you're outside of any sort of cover, you can be attacked by these creatures. And they, if you look at them, what they do is they appear to you as your worst fear, and they cause you to violently kill yourself. So that's kind of like... The movie's kind of been compared to The Happening a lot, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, it has some similar attributes like that. Anyways, the idea is when people go outside in this movie, they have to wear blindfolds. So they are... Uh, you see people doing things like they paint the uh, windows on their car, and then they have to drive around using GPS only because they can't look because right. they might die. Or they have to go walk around outside and try to find food, but they have to be blindfolded the whole time. So this has inspired the dumbest meme I think I've ever heard of, which is the bird box <laughs> challenge, where it is people doing things blindfolded. So some people are doing simple things like, I'm going to try to clean my house blindfolded or I'm going to try to prepare my lunch <laughs> blindfolded or something. But some people are taking it so far where they're like, I'm going to go through the McDonald's drive through with a blindfold <laughs> on because it's the bird bird box challenge. And it's just really ridiculous. Look, I don't some, know. <laughs> there's some dumb challenges like just going around in general. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we had a thing called the ice, bu ice bucket challenge, which was to help promote ALS and and. It, it, it did. It promoted ALS, and it became everyone became very aware of it, mm -hmm. um, and it became this big internet craze of doing the ice bucket challenge, right? Yeah. Well, now there's like the Tide Pod challenge, or the you know, <laughs> or the Bird Box challenge. Like, there's so like I feel like everything's suddenly a challenge. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, yes, I do agree <laughs> that uh, this is really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, so does Netflix. Um, <laughs> I pulled. <laughs> This is from the Netflix uh, U.S. When I say Netflix U.S., Netflix has multiple Twitter accounts, one for U.S., one for overseas, like, you know, different countries and stuff. So this is directly from the Netflix U.S. Twitter feed. It's probably blasted amongst all the countries, you know. Unfortunately, there is a chance that it's only put here because Americans are dumb enough to be doing this. Um, but the, Netflix, the tweet from Netflix says, Can't believe I have to say this, but please do not hurt yourselves with this bird box challenge. We don't know how this started, and we appreciate the love, but boy and girl have just one wish for 2019, and it's that you do not end up in the hospital due to memes. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought that was really funny, and I and to be honest, I I'm with them. I can't believe something like that. Has it's funny. Yeah, it's funny, and it's funny that it actually has to happen. Um, oh, boy and girl is actually a specific reference to characters. In yes, the movie, I. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but yeah, it's just. It's just so ridiculous. Um, I did see one really funny video where this guy, <laughs> like, he said something like, let God take, he posted this video where he said, let God take the wheel, hashtag bird box challenge. <laughs> and he's wearing a uh, beanie hat and he just pulled the beanie over his eyes and then it cuts to another shot of like his hands just on the steering wheel. So obviously he just did it as a fake thing, but it was pretty awesome. So Well, if you're doing it as a fake thing to make mm -hmm. a cool like Instagram video, that's funny. Yeah. But if you're like doing it to like drive through the McDonald's drive through blindfolded, like yeah. you're gonna hurt your somebody or some or yourself. Yeah. And you know, we don't want that. So <laughs> right on. Right. Well, uh, let's talk about the actual one that we need to do a real breakdown for. Okay. Um so for you Stranger Things fans, uh, we were supposed to get a Stranger Things season in by, at Halloween like usual, and they had to push it back to 2019. We didn't really know when that was going to be until the other day, today, or 
Was it today? It was uh, actually it was New Year's New Year's Day. I think I might it might have been something they released right on midnight. Yeah, it was like within that light, like the past couple days of the recording mm-hmm. of the show. Um, they released the date. It will be back July fourth, but they released a teaser. Um, Peter has a lot of information because he did a little digging into the teaser. So uh, right, you want to go ahead? <laughs> so um, yeah, I'll just do like a quick description of the teaser. I'm but... really excited for this, by the way. So yeah, um, I think it's pretty much all but confirmed. not the teaser, the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much been like all but confirmed that uh, this next season is going to take place in 1985. Um, they had a teaser about a uh, the Starcourt Mall, which is a fictitious mall that uh, is going to take you know be involved in this season, and uh, I think that had the date 1985 in it, as well as this new one, which the teaser picks up with Dick Clark at Dick Clark's like rockin' New York, New York, uh, New Year's Dick Eve. Dick Clark's rockin' Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it picks up with him at the 1985 uh, New Year's Eve. And uh, him just announcing it, and it shows the ball start to drop, and people are counting down and stuff. But suddenly the screen like flashes, and it looks like an old school computer screen with a bunch of jumbled text, and uh, this weird cryptic message comes up. Then it flashes back to uh, more of the New Year's Eve stuff. And then it flashes back to another cryptic message. So I kind of looked into like what these messages said. So I guess I could go through that yeah, really quick. But the first uh, the first time the screen flashes the message that comes up is when blue and yellow meet in the west so then uh the next uh message comes up and uh or then it goes back to new year's eve then it goes to the next message and it's another screen that looks kind of like a uh, password screen where you would type in like a password or like something to run a program at the top of that screen it, it says lynx corp and then at the bottom it says run program the silver cat feeds. So what does all this mean? We don't really know. What I thought is kind of cool is just how cryptic uh, the creators of Stranger Things get with these uh, teasers they put out. And, um, none, and none of those cryptic <laughs> messages, if we know Stranger Things, might mean nothing. For sure. It might be full, completely unimportant. Yeah. And it's just for us to, like, chew on it until, mm-hmm. you know, we actually get the meat. So there, there is, it does go a little deeper, which I just think this is cool. Um, I guess recently there was a Stranger Things behind-the-scenes companion book that was released. And uh, in the book there was random pages that had little bits of Morse, Morse code written on them. And when you decode, when you decode the Morse code in order, and this is split up between multiple random pages in the book, it had this long message that was, the week is long, the silver cat feeds, when blue and yellow meet in the West, a trip to China sounds nice if you tread lightly. So two parts of that, the silver cat feeds and when blue and yellow meets in the West were repeated in this new teaser trailer. Very oh. weird. Also, uh, in the tra- teaser trailer, there was a um, the screen that said Lynx Corp on it. Apparently, according to people on Reddit, on Reddit um, there's been trucks within the first two seasons of Stranger Things that have said Lynx Corp on the side. And I guess the logo for Lynx Corp is a silver cat that's on the side of the truck, which makes sense with Lynx. I just think it's all kind of weird. A last little tidbit that I think is interesting, too, is I guess in the previous teaser for the season that was uh, the uh, Starcourt Mall commercial, 
there was an image. I liked it, by the way, real quick. I feel like we should have said spoilers on this. Yeah. But the Stranger <laughs> Things teaser, like, there is nothing to see to yeah. like, remotely have any idea <laughs> of, like... Yeah. You can, you If you just know Stranger Things and you watch this teaser, you're like, wow, I know nothing. <laughs> um, so... In the uh, Starcart Mall teaser, I guess there's one shot of a clock on the wall, and the uh, hour and minute hand of the clock are blue and yellow. And so now people are going into it where if you think of a clock compared to a compass, the uh, number nine would be in the west position. So people are thinking either 9.45 would be when blue and yellow meet in the west, or it yeah, is but again, that doesn't mean possibly <laughs> 8.44. And they're thinking that these times might factor into the new season. Um, I just think it's really interesting. Uh, I I mean, this is like kind of will conclude the uh, silver tin hat section of our podcast. But if you want to dive really deep into this stuff, I guess there's Reddit boards that just people have all sorts right. of crazy <laughs> theories. So right. In general, um, I just think it's awesome that they have all these weird clues. I don't know if you have any further thoughts on any of it. But. No, it is. I, I don't because, to me, none of it means anything until I see the show. Okay. Like, that's the thing. Like, sometimes when they be... Sometimes when a show like this it gets super cryptic and then you know nothing, you don't understand anything, and then you watch the show or the season, that stuff makes sense later. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh. Like, you go back <laughs> and you watch the teacher. You're like, that makes sense now. I didn't know about it then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch Lost? Yeah. Okay. I got really sucked into the uh, real world aspect of Lost. Like, the sh- like I loved the show mm-hmm. from beginning to end. I liked everything that happened. I'm one of the people who really liked the finale. I know there's people who have mixed opinions about that and all that yeah. stuff. But I really liked the show. Now, you mean, like, MTV's real world? When you say real world, like the reality show, no, like oh okay, no, I uh-huh, like, no, I meant the <laughs> real world, like like uh, a group of real world survivors on an island. No, <laughs> there's uh, MTV, not MTV. Lost, <laughs> Lost had did some stuff where they would air commercials during the commercial oh, yeah. breaks of the show that directly tied into what was going on in the show, and sometimes you didn't know about it. And they would announce when these commercials would happen. So unfortunately, in a world where we have DVRs and you could fast forward through commercials, you'd be watching the show and you'd have to stop and actually watch commercials so you could watch whatever the commercial is. And sometimes you weren't sure if you saw the commercial or not. But sometimes those commercials would show you something really <coughs> weird and you'd go, wait, I caught that. And then you'd pull up the laptop and you'd start looking online and you're like, oh, they sent me to a website about air travel or they sent me to a website <laughs> yeah. about this or, you know what I mean? And sometimes it would be like direct in-show stuff and sometimes it wouldn't be and like you never knew what was important and what you didn't. But what was interesting is that no matter how it turned out, most of it didn't make sense yeah. until you actually continued watching the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, because you tell that, I kind of want to tell a really funny story really quick. Sure. Um, this is, uh, okay, so not to make light of like a tragic event, but do you remember the uh, Malaysian airplane that went missing? Yes. Okay, so when that happened, um, I was at... Uh, and I don't know how tragic of an event it is because um, I still don't really know what happened to the Malaysian I, I, exactly, <laughs> exactly, but uh, so I was at... Uh, my wife's parents' house uh, shortly after that happened, and they were discussing it. And uh, somehow somebody said in conversation, like, yeah, I, I can't remember what flight number they said it was. And I just said as a joke, I go, 
Oh, I think it's Oceanic 815. That's a lost That's the lost flight, flight number. Yeah, number. so that's what I, I just go. I think it was Oceanic 815, and nobody said it. Like, nobody caught the reference, so they just, like, the conversation kept going. But my wife grabbed her phone, and she looked up Oceanic 815, and she might have looked, she might have Googled found or something. So then what happens is she sees a video, and the first video is from, I think it's from the sixth season of Lost, where there's... I think the sixth, was that the last one? Uh, yes. Okay, I think it was from that season when they have a, uh, a, a fake news report about Oceanic 815 found at the bottom of the ocean. So she clicks on the video and this fake news report comes up. <laughs> and it was this perfect, like, minute-long joke where, like, everybody was convinced that it was a real news report for, like, you know, 20 <laughs> seconds. And then they realized it was lost and it just worked out so perfectly. So <laughs> it was amazing. So. That's that's fantastic. Mm. Um, um, to bring it back to Stranger Things, I'm not looking too deep into these cryptic clues because I just don't want to know anything. Like, I don't want anything spoiled to me, even though there's part of me that really wants to jump into this well and research it. Right. Core, so. Right. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and same here. I don't... And that's the thing, like, when we see, like, hey, the new Avengers trailer hit, I wanted to talk about it because we got to see some stuff, but I mm -hmm. watched the trailer once. And we talked about it. Yeah. I didn't see the trailer again until I was in the theater for Aquaman <laughs> and I had to sit through the trailer. But mm -hmm. seeing it on big IMAX, again, I only know what I saw. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't trying to... I'm not trying to, like, go on the internet and pause and look at all this stuff. I don't normally do that with trailers, so... Yeah. Um, I just feel I should enjoy it because the only point of a trailer is to get you excited. Mm -hmm. Not to spoil. Uh, sometimes they do, but who knows. Right. Yeah. Um, well, hey, do you want to do the list? Sounds good. Want to get that done? All right, sweet. So we're going to do the top five list. Ryan, uh, if you're listening, roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right. Uh, so this was my pick. Um, I wanted to throw another actor your way. Uh, because we haven't done an actor, the first actor we did with Scarlett Johansson, we haven't done one in a while. Okay. So uh, let's, we're going to talk Tom Cruise movies tonight. Um, in general, I have, I realize basically I have always been a Tom Cruise fan. He had almost, I've liked almost every single movie he's been in. There's very, like, when I say very few, we're talking like maybe two movies he's been in that I haven't really been fans of. I okay. pretty much liked almost everything he's done. He's got a massive list of credits, and he's one of the biggest movie stars on the face of the planet. Um, and all I ever hear is about how like really cool of a guy he is and all that stuff, and he's one of the actors that I would like to meet one day just to say, I'm a fan, thanks for doing what you do. You know. Um, so with that being said, I figured let's do, a Tom, let's do a Tom Cruise list and see what our favorite Tom Cruise movies are. And I don't know about you, I had a hard like I didn't have a hard time making my top five. I had a I had a hard time getting my honorable mentions down to two. <laughs> so because nice. there were so many movies I wanted to talk about, but um, you know I had you know we go from there. So, right. Do you have any honorable mentions? I'll um, let you get to go first. I actually only have one honorable That's mention cool. this time. I think um, I'm a little bit the opposite of you, where I actually do like Tom Cruise a lot, but. Putting this list together, I realized there's a lot of his movies that I haven't seen or haven't seen the whole oh, through and stuff. So it was a little bit harder for me, but I do have a list I feel pretty solid about. But uh, my first honorable mention is uh, The Outsiders. Oh, so, right on. 
The Outsiders, um, I really love the story. It's a, uh, you know, when I was in grade school, I had to read the novel, which a lot of people do, but I just really, it was just really cool to read something in school that was kind of about these, like, delinquent kids, you know, these greasers who you felt for them, and they were all good kids, but, you know, some of them were down on their luck, and they, I say good kids, I guess, like, nice kids, but, like, they were actually, like, you know, they were the, you know, they were, like... Right the bad kids essentially but but i got really into that whole like greaser versus warfare um but yeah and then the movie um came out and it's literally casted by like the who's who of like teen heartthrobs of like the early <laughs> 80s you know like has like you know tom cruise patrick swayze uh emilio estevez like all these guys who were like huge uh, movie stars in the 80s but uh i think they just did a really good job capturing that sort of uh i think it's like late 50s early 60s sort of uh greaser lifestyle and i think they just did a really good job um you know portraying the the story of the novel uh the reason this movie only makes an honorable mention for me is because even though tom cruise is in it i feel like there's not He's not, like, the reason I like the movie, and, like, I don't know if it's any specific Tom Cruise moments is why I like the movie. I just think it's a solid pick. Sure. So, um, yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on The Outsiders at all. Not really. I, I mean, it's a really good movie, and I my thought is, I was like, wow, you went, like, a, a Outsiders isn't really a deep cut in terms of, like, <laughs> movie history, but it's kind mm. of like, that's when you think Tom Cruise, that's not a movie you think of. Right. So, in a way, it's kind of like a... Tom Cruise deep cut. Yeah. So, um, but no, it's a really good movie, and that's just that's one I don't normally think of when I think Tom Cruise, but that's why I said it. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I actually have two honorable mentions. Uh, my first one we're going to talk about is uh, Interview with the Vampire. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. This is a one like I've seen bits and pieces of so much okay. that I can piece it together, but never actually watch the whole way through, sort yeah. of thing. It's this is a really great movie. It's basically. It's based off the book of the same title, Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. And it's, um, so Brad Pitt plays a vampire who wants to tell his story. And he finds a reporter played by Christian Slater who he basically is narrating the story of his life. How he got turned into a vampire and lived as a vampire and so on and so on. All the way up to the moment of this interview. Um, the discussion of immortality and all that stuff but um tom cruise plays the vampire that kind of shows him the ropes and takes him through like you know this everything that happens to him yeah um tom cruise is great in this this is one of the this is probably if we were to do a vampire movie list this movie guaranteed makes my list the okay. vampire films i absolutely love this movie always have i haven't seen it in a really long time though so like talking about it now kind of makes me want to watch it mm -hmm. um one thing i do want to point out is that uh, this is uh, this is a very young this Kurt, Kurt Kristen Dunst. Mm. Uh, she's in the movie, very young as a kid. I don't know if this is her first movie or if this was her big breakout. Like oh my gosh, we have a star on our hands kind of a moment. Yeah, um, but she is unbelievable in this movie. Um, even the scene where she like cuts Tom Cruise's throat and lets him like spill the blood all over the floor. Like that that yeah. scene is just absolutely stunning when it happens and yeah she's just fantastic in the movie but you know as a whole the movie's amazing so yeah nice. um my next honorable mention is rain man okay and i know a lot of people are like wow that's not higher on your list and as you <laughs> as you cruise through my list you'll understand because i have lots to 
Yeah, I've, yeah. yeah. Th- this is one that I saw as, at a young age. I don't remember it super well, and it's one of those ones that, because of how, like, I saw it when I was a lot younger, I don't know if it affected me the way it should have. So it's something I'm due for a rewatch of this I will, for sure. I will know? agree with that. When I saw it originally, I think I was too young to fully appreciate yeah. it later in life when I saw it again. it's I mean, it's an amazing movie. Yeah. But this is one of those movies that really... I mean, Tom Cruise prior to Rain Man was in... You know, he had his, like, Top Gun and Days of Thunder and, like, these action, like, superstar movies because that's what he was kind of becoming. And then he goes and does this serious movie about a guy just trying to take care of his brother who's got, you know, who's autistic. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman's performance is groundbreaking in that film but Tom Cruise just trying to deal with his brother there's just these great character beats and these great moments and it's a great story Mm -hmm. so um, it makes my list mostly because of the heartwarming story that it is so much as opposed to me just loving the movie Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah Rain Man right on yeah Um, but that brings us to your actual first pick (laughs) okay sounds good I'm anticipating like a string of just matches. We might be matching, but, but there's a good. I, I you and I are going to match at least one for sure. Okay, but like you said, you haven't seen all the Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, so. that's that's true. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> so go ahead. So my first pick is um, a few good men. All so right. this movie, I think. I saw this one when I was... I was going to save this till the end to talk about, but go ahead. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, we, we, we did match. We did yeah. match. I was going to um, save it. No, go ahead. We'll talk about um, it. So I, this movie, I I did see as when I was like pretty young as well, but I think this movie is like the movie that really proved to me how uh, intriguing and how uh, exciting a court movie could be, like a movie that takes place over a trial. Like, this movie is just so good. Like, you really get into the story, um, the characters, the acting is really awesome. And, you know, when I was a young boy and most of the movies I liked had people beating each other up or shooting at each other or whatever, like, I was really intrigued by this movie at a young age. And this kind of, like, I think changed my mindset on a lot of that a little bit. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are specifically on it. So, A Few Good Men, this movie... Um, if we were to do a top five all-time favorite movies list, mm-hmm. there's a good chance this movie would actually make the list, if not make an honorable mention. Um, this is a movie that, if it is on television, I immediately stop flipping channels. This is this falls into the Star Wars category where like I will watch it anytime it's on, period. Um, I've seen the movie 500 times. <laughs> uh, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Sorkin's writing is absolutely astounding um it is uh the acting is amazing kevin pollack who plays like tom cruise's assistant um he has like it's probably there's no such thing as a small role in this movie but he his role it's really interesting if you watch him in the movie this is one of those things where less is more and like him just like the the facial expressions that he has and stuff like that, like he doesn't have a lot of lines, but when you see him like in the courtroom and stuff, just to watch his reaction to things, you, you can totally like he, he's internalizing things, he's feeling it. Like I mean, he's there. Like everyone is so on point, mm-hmm. I guess, in this movie. Um, but yes, this is this is the movie that really made me appreciate courtroom dramas. Mm-hmm. to a level that I don't feel nearly most courtroom dramas I watch even stand up to and how good this I, movie I is. would agree that, to that. Um, this movie was nominated for a Best Picture. I'd have to go back oh, and I find out. I didn't even know that. I'd have to go back and find out what it lost to. Uh, but um, 
It did. It was nominated. It was. Uh, it was a movie came out in 1992. So whatever movie it lost to in 1992, which I'm gonna look up here as we talk. But this movie, I can't express how much I love A Few Good Men. Um, and even people joke about some of the you know dialogues and um, the monologue sequences with Jack Nicholson and stuff like that, and it's completely understandable. Um, I've I've actually heard like a another like thing that people disparage about the movie uh i saw this youtube video all about uh the accuracy of uh courtroom dramas just in general as far as like how courts actually work and it was a lawyer you know dissecting everything and a few good men came up and the lawyer did have a few criticisms of just like certain exchanges between uh like tom cruise and different people he's uh interrogating but the thing is like it's still such a good movie and such a good piece of art. Like, there's nothing that... No criticisms the guy said really, like, made me think any less of the movie. Like, it's still, like, so good. And it was, like, right. pretty minor things. It's just, like, he's like, oh, well, well that was a leading cl- question. That was blah, blah, blah. It wasn't then, major, like... Right, well, that's where when people holes. start complaining about stuff like that, it's just, like, you're looking for something to complain about. Um, while you that's were, true. While you were talking, I pulled it up. Uh, um, a Few Good Men Lost to Unforgiven. Okay. In 1992, which, I mean, I guess I understand that. <laughs> it lost so. to a Metallica song? Yes, it, it, it did. No, it lost to Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, the Western. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, we don't want to confuse our audience too bad. Um, no, but A Few Good Men, if you've never seen this movie, I highly, highly recommend watching it because it is just um, the intensity that they put in that courtroom. You know, mm. and it's just it's just a courtroom drama. It's basically just people talking for the entire movie, but it is just incredible. Yeah. So I think yeah, when I was a kid, like this really, like I, I, I said, and you reiterated that it like opened my eyes to like a courtroom drama can be really entertaining. And then I think short like a year or two after that, I saw A Time to Kill, and that like sealed the deal. Like yeah, these these court movies can be really good. And yeah. then, like, since then, like, I, I honestly don't know if any courtroom dramas have, you know, affected me as much as those two films. So. Well, this also opened my eyes to Aaron Sorkin as a writer. And okay. it made me uh, start looking him up and watching things that he's either worked on or, you know, oh, hey, he wrote this. I'm going to, like, right. Aaron Sorkin, you would know him later, would go on and do um, Social Network, for example, mm-hmm. um, which... Oddly enough, is a courtroom drama. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never you never think of it that way. But you yeah. never think of it that way, mm-hmm. but it, the whole movie's a courtroom drama. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, that brings it back to your next pick. <laughs> yeah, my next pick. Okay, I hope I'm not like saying your whole list backwards. Uh, hey, the if next we one, were, if we were to match straight through, that'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, the next one that I wanted to talk about is Minority Report. So um, also, hey, we matched on this. <laughs> were you saving this one for last? No. Two? Okay, good. I was saving a few good men because, it, I, yeah, I just I love that movie so much. Yeah. So. Um, so Minority Report. Um, so this movie is really cool. Um, I didn't. I was kind of like reading stuff about it to uh, refresh my memory a little bit before the podcast, and I didn't realize that uh, this movie is written by Philip K. Dick, who also yeah. did. Uh, Blade Runner and Total Recall and like yeah he also his... did iRobot and yeah and it's yeah. like no sorry iRobot was Isaac Asimov my okay. bad but but like <laughs> my bad I'll correct myself um, now Philip K Dick like I feel like anything like I haven't read any of his books but any of his movies that I've seen based on his works always is like 
really good, super complex, but awesome. Well, let me, uh, let me blow plot. your mind a little bit um, more then. Minority Report, the book, yeah. is 26 pages long. <laughs> that's what like that's what I saw. That was a short story. <laughs> but like it's kind of cool, like the societal um questions that you know like all his movies bring up and my already report is just like that like the concept of uh pre-crime and you know preventing crime before it happens um as also well as just directed like a lot by of, steven spielberg yeah um and that's one another thing i saw while i was like kind of researching that is this is i didn't realize steven spielberg actually consulted like scientists and stuff about what they think the future will be like and 2054 or whenever this movie takes place and it, that really shows because you look at the cars they drive and how a lot of things work and it seems like a believable future you know with right. the holograms the, and uh, the car the red Lexus that he drives in the movie mm-hmm. that the year that that movie came out that was supposed to be an actual that was a Lexus concept car mm-hmm. that was actually supposed to be released for public purchase it never got released. And <laughs> yeah. I have still been like, that's one, for, that is one like car I'm always looking for when they're like, hey, it's the car show. Hey, these are, these cars are coming out. I'm always like, where's the Lexus for Minority <laughs> I um, mean, it's still out there though. Yeah, there's, I, there's at least one of them out there's there. At least, so. There's at least one of them out there. Just like the Batman Justice League car, um, the, the Mercedes that he drives in that. There's only one of those that exists in the really? world. Really? Yeah, the okay, Mercedes. That was such a cool-looking car. The Mercedes too. that Bruce Wayne drives in Justice League was made for that movie only. Nice. So, um, um, oh, another just another quick thing about Minority Report is just how the... Uh, I also didn't realize this, but I guess uh, Steven Spielberg had a very unique sort of... Uh, way that he lit this film and the kind of the filters he used on this film and i think he wanted to give it a very like sterile sort of feel to this future that they had and when you the thing about minority report whether you like it or not like this movie has such a unique look to just the colors and how everything oh, the looks visuals like visuals are stunning. it's so uh it has like such a memorable feel that the movie leaves yeah. you with so if you don't know the movie minority report I will say that it's basically about a future where they've done done they've created this thing called uh, pre-crime, where they use psychics to or precogs as you would refer to them in the movie. They basically can predict the crime before it happens, so they arrest the people before they've committed the crime. So there is no more murder. There's no like the crime rate is so low because they've been mm-hmm. able to do this, and there's a. There's a crime that happens that makes another crime potential to happen that sets the whole story in motion. And essentially, it's a chase movie, if you think about it. Yeah. And it's Um, like, there's a lot of cool, just kind of like a big conspiracy ends up being unearthed and stuff like that. that Yeah. This was one of the first movies that I think I, I, Colin Farrell was, uh, as an actor, I caught, he caught my eye. I'm like, who's that guy? Oh, that's Colin Farrell. Okay. Yeah. I, I know the name. Um, no, this, I can't say enough good about this movie because there's a lot of surprises in the film. There's a lot of surprises you won't see coming. When I say surprises, I'm, again, I'm not using the word twists. I'm saying surprises because you'll, you, you think you're along with it or you think you figured it out and then they actually like pull the curtain back and you get to see what's really there and you're just like, oh my goodness, I mm-hmm. didn't see that coming because you're only getting glimpses of things sometimes because of the precognitive nature of the psychic people in the movie. Yeah. So sometimes they can only show you like 
bits and pieces of imagery. Yeah. Um, one other like last thing I wanted to touch on is when you're talking about the psychics in the movie, one really cool thing is the way they... So the pre-crime company or system or whatever, the way they use... They have uh, three psychics who are these like... It's kind of like they took three they women and the okay, so triplets yeah, and the triplets, two men and a, the woman. Okay, and it's like it's almost like they did experiments on them, and they have this way where they work in tandem with each other to predict these crimes yeah, before and they, they happen. Yeah, they said that the female, and the female one is the one that sees, uh, gets the strongest of the visions, mm-hmm. you know, for the psychic feed, and then she becomes part of the actual main plot in terms of like why things, you know. Yeah, but um, what I think is cool is the system for how this whole pre-crime concept works is a very scientific-feeling system. Like, it's, it, they make it really believable, and it seems like it's kind of more of a scientific thing, even though the, concepts of, the concept of yeah. being psychic is a very spiritual thing. And it's kind of like a really cool melding of the science versus yeah. faith spirituality thing that feels really natural when you watch yeah. it, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, again, we matched, so your pick again. <laughs> okay, um, this next movie, uh, you probably have more to say than I do about it, but uh, Mission Impossible, the first one, made my Oh, list. Mission so, Impossible, the first yeah. one. Um, this made the short list. Oh, this didn't make your list? Okay, no, we did not match. So, um, we did not match for a reason, which you will hear later. So, to, uh, to be honest, I've only seen the first and the last Mission Impossible movie. Which is so you watched the original and you watched the most recent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Um, the first movie I thought was just awesome. There's like a million twists in it. There's so many cool scenes. Um, I mean, it, it goes without saying, but that scene when he's like dropping from the ceiling on string, like that's so that, iconic. I feel but... like in a world of... So I, I feel like there's this break... Let me, ref- let me see if I can put this into words, and then you can go on. I'm going to go off on this quick tangent, and then you can go back to your Mission Impossible yeah. field. There is, um, and I, Mission Impossible came out I, uh, probably the same year as Jurassic Park. Maybe. Okay, be, around might, there. Yeah, I think, it, it either, I think you might be right. A year before, the, the, the year, if Mission Impossible came out 94, it came out the year after Jurassic Park, because Jurassic Park was 93. Yeah. But I like to refer to... There's a, there's a break in Hollywood where, and this is kind of my own theory. This is not, I'm not pulling this from anything. I didn't get this from like a film class or something. This is my own thinking on the matter is that there is old Hollywood and there's new Hollywood and the division between old and new is Jurassic Park, the original film. And what I'm referring to is special effects. Okay. Um, Star Wars rewrote the book of special effects in 77 and everyone went, oh my goodness, how did you do this? And everyone tried to basically, because of what Star Wars did in 77, everyone kind of piggybacked on what was being built there in terms of an industry standard. And everyone mm-hmm. was like copying the blue screen work that Star Wars was doing and the, the way they handled their superimposing and you know that kind of thing. Just the graphical stuff that Star Wars did. Yeah. Then we get to 1993 when Jurassic Park comes out. And that's the movie that showed everyone, this is what you can do with computers. And you can create your CG images. Those dinosaurs in the original Jurassic Park still look real. Like, they look better sometimes than some of the CG uh, computer imaging that's coming out now 
for yeah. some of the other some of the big blockbusters we have now. Those dinosaurs in 1993 still look better. Yeah. Well, I um, think we've gotten to a point where people are using CG for stuff they don't even have to. Right. Like you'll see, you'll see a character who could be depicted just using like traditional practical makeup and stuff, and they're using a CG for them. Right. Um, it's a whole different tangent. That's a whole yeah. different tangent. But what I'm saying is, is that when I say a movie is old Hollywood, yeah, it's they are doing it in the very practical, old school way. They're not hindered they're not leaning on cgi to fix it they're not going oh hey you know we'll just fix it in post with computers yeah you know what i mean and then you have from jurassic park to now or moving forward is new hollywood yeah um and okay and that you, makes sense does that make sense yeah okay um the reason i bring that up is because you mentioned that scene in mission impossible mm. where he has to go into the computer vault and he's got to like you know scale down over the computer mm. and steal the knock list yeah, that's what I couldn't remember. I think it was it was the actual knock list. The actual knock yeah. list. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, <laughs> and this is, and I don't know how real or not real this is. I've always wondered, but because if you've ever seen the movie The Recruit with Colin Farrell and Al Pacino, they talk about the knock list in that movie too. So I always wondered if knock was an actual thing. Um, knock list means non-official cover operative. Oh, so it's not a list of who's there. No, a knock list is a list of non-official cover agents right. that exist in the world. So Tom Cruise in the movie has to steal the list of the agent names matched to the list of their code names. That's yeah. the knock list. So they're... I was getting it confused with a knock-knock list is what it was. Oh, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Oh, ha-ha. Um. Funny, funny. But no, the scene, that's probably the scene of the movie... Like of all in the entire yeah. movie, the scene where he has to break into the computer vault is the scene. That's the mission. That's the impossible thing. The setup, the exposition, how they like when he explains it, you get to see all the intricacies of the security system, and you're just like, oh my god, how are they going to do this? And, but you know, as soon as that conversation's over, you get to watch him do it. Yeah, and it's incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. It's just one of those things too. Is like. I bring it up because, like, everybody knows this scene, but that's kind of why I bring it up is, like, this is such an iconic thing. Like, everybody knows it. You think Mission Impossible, you think of that scene, but even if you, a lot of people, like, you think espionage movies and you think of, like, that scene specifically. Like, that scene it's so comes, right. well done, you know. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I just think it's an awesome movie. Like, I never watched the Mission Impossible TV show, but I imagine it maybe wasn't as complex or as... Um, so... So I've watched all the Mission Impossibles. The Mission Impossible one, the first movie, best is is the best representation of what the original show was. I just I guess I guess I feel like I'm curious about the show because I feel like in my mind they took an old like fun spy show and they turned it into something even more than they even had to be with all right, the right. twists and all the mysteries in it. And well, in terms of complex, in terms of story then. structure and writing, from what I understand, it was the best representation of the original show. Okay. As they've moved forward with the films, it be, it's become more of a. They've tried to move with the modern times and be more modern day spy work. Right. So it just gets. Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as you go. Yeah. So I still kind of do feel like I mean I like I said I haven't seen all of them, but from like the last one I do kind of which feel is like, interesting because from Mission Impossible three, four, five, and the most recent one are all tied in like one specific story, and that makes <laughs> sense. But I didn't feel that lost seeing the last yeah, one. But uh, 
I do kind of feel like I wish some of the spy work was a little bit quieter and more subdued in the last one because it's all really is like punch you in it's the face, lot like intense, which is great. But I feel like I still do like the quieter, more subtle sort of spy scenes. Right. Um, so yeah, you should watch Mission Impossible three. Okay, so I now, can go on a quick thing, but I watched Mission Impossible two and. At the time, I was super critical of, of movies, and I just really didn't like it at all, and that's what that's made right. me quit the series, but I want to give it another go. That's right. Mission honest. Impossible yeah. 2 came at a time when uh, John Woo as a director was really hot, and they wanted to get John Woo to direct Mission Impossible 2, and if you know John Woo's directing style, it shows that John... You could, you could watch that movie and go, without even looking at credits, you go, yep, John Woo directed this. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um... So, and I think that was, you know, and maybe that, who cares if, it doesn't matter if that was smart directing choices or not. I liked Mission Impossible 2 for many reasons. John Woo, unfortunately, not being one of them. I think um, I think it was like, this, there are story reasons, but it's been so long since I watched it that I couldn't even tell you anymore what right. I didn't like about it. So. Right. Um, so, anyway, the, the second Mission Impossible... Um, to each his own if you like it or not, but yeah. because you like some of the quieter spy work, yeah, um, you you'll definitely like three, four, five, three, four, and five. But I think three you're really gonna like. That one's directed by J.J. Abrams, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of set the precedent for everything that came after it. Okay. Uh, the reason I say that is because Abrams directed three and then produced the last group, so the story flows from three. Okay. Cool. You know, everything leading up to six flows from there. Mm-hmm. So Nice. Yeah. I did read an article about some CIA agents were interviewed about Mission Impossible 6 when it came out. And they talked about how true to real CIA work a lot of that movie was. Um, because, and they're like, they're saying that the movie is sped up because you have to tell that story within two hours. Yeah. Where... For them, that story would have taken place over a couple of months. Right. Um, because, you know, but the issue of, like, how plans change and, you know, something doesn't go right and you got to, like, improvise well, the, on the spot. And they were talking about that and they were talking about some of the tech that got used in the movie. And The movie had a whole time limit on it anyways, though. Too. Oh, yeah, so it did. There was like, <laughs> that was another reason for it, which was smart on the from no. storytelling point. Yeah, it here, was. So. But they said a lot of the stuff that we saw in that movie is very real to how things work, even on a bureaucratic sense, when you got to see the cool. bureaucratic side of things. I just thought that was awesome. Yeah. So. Nice. Um... Okay, uh, so that actually comes back to my pick because, yeah. Um, so my actual pick that's not matched with you um, is Jerry Maguire. Okay, nice. Um, have you seen this? Uh, I've seen parts, but yeah, parts? it's okay. just not. It's It came out when, like, I was way too young to watch this movie, and then I've never, like, gone back okay. and, like, this is, revisited uh, it. This is a Cameron Crowe movie. Um, he... Wrote and directed. This is basically Tom Cruise trying to do. I don't know if it was trying to do like a chick flick or if it was like, hey, we're shooting for an Oscar role. Okay. Like, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for this movie. Um, awesome, good for him because he was great in it. But what I liked about this movie is I'm not the biggest sports guy, but I always liked movies about sports. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie where Tom Cruise plays a sports agent. So it's a lot of behind-the-scenes sports stuff. Even though him as a character is going through this, like, 
I don't know, sort of midlife crisis. Yeah. And so you get to see this like very personal side of things, but you get to see all this behind the scenes sports stuff. But the writing in it is just really incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the story they're trying to tell. I mean, it's a very, it's clearly a very personal story. It's clearly a um, touching, heartwarming story. And in the end, I mean, you're rooting for the guy the whole time. You're rooting for uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character the whole time. You want Tom Cruise and the girl to be together. Um, you fall in love with the little kid in the movie, but and even uh, Jamar, uh, not Jamar, uh, Jamor, um, the uh, the guy who plays like the other sports agent, who's like the villain, quote yeah. unquote. Um, he's even fantastic in the movie. But there's just all this like the way it's all wrapped up together. It's just a really good movie, and it's another one of those movies where if it's on, I usually stop flipping channels. Nice, just because yeah. I like the movie. So, yeah, I don't have too much to say about it than that. It's just you know I've always I've always liked this movie um, from the like first time I saw it on. So great, yeah. I mean, I'll have to check it out actually. But yeah, <laughs> sounds great. All right, man, your next pick. Okay, um, I guess we can just roll back into uh, Mission Impossible because uh, Mission Impossible Fallout made my list as well. Interesting. Um, so, like I said, I. Do kind of wish hey, that we match this one. Okay, nice. I do kind of wish there was some more quiet sort of spy work in this movie. But with that being said, I loved this movie. Um, it's one of my favorite movies from the past year. I don't know if it's gonna make it to my five, top five list when we do that. But yeah, this movie was just great from start to finish. It has that same feel from the first movie where it's a lot of twists. It's uh, super intense. Um, I don't know. I mean, we were just talking about it a bit. Yeah. I don't know, like, what your thoughts are on This it, movie, Mission Impossible Fallout, I know I talked about it earlier uh, when it came out in the theater. Um, this movie is just incredible from top to bottom. The movie opens and you're in, and you, it does it grabs you from the beginning, and it, you, it does not let go all the way to the end. And it's really great because even in that even in the closing moments where he's on the rock face and he's reaching up for the thing, all you're thinking is, is he getting to it in time? And mm-hmm. then the camera does a really sneaky camera trick and you have a moment of, <gasps> you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's, a, it's just a moment of a gasp and you're just like, holy crap. And then you see how the movie concludes. So. Spoilers. <laughs> well, not, not, I, I, even though I that's technically yeah. a spoiler, you don't even know what I said. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I want, you know, so, but this movie, it's just, and Tom Cruise, no one makes movies like this anymore. This is a movie that is clearly done in the new Hollywood sense of what I just referred to, old Hollywood versus new Hollywood, the break with Jurassic Park. This is clearly yeah. a new Hollywood film done in an old Hollywood way. The bike chases were all real. The motorcycle chases were all real. The halo jump. Okay, uh, Halo Jump, there's a, there's a parachute sequence. The reason it's called the Halo Jump, uh, Halo is an acronym for uh, high altitude, low open. So you jump from a ridiculously high altitude to avoid radar detection, and then you deploy your parachute when you're below radar detection. Mm-hmm. So you have, but you're real close to the ground, so it's really dangerous. Yeah. The bike chase was real. The Halo Jump, that whole sequence, Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill really did. Like that whole thing was done for real. There's a whole big like, and there's a whole big bonus feature on them like prepping for it and really doing it. You know what I mean? Okay. Wow. um, The helicopter chase at the end. Tom Cruise was so like the audience will know if it's fake, 
So if you ever get if you ever watch like the bonus features for it, they show you the rig that they yeah. had to build. So that is Tom Cruise actually flying that helicopter. Like I guess he trained for like two years to fly the helicopter. Yeah. And then he trained for six months to do the stunts with the helicopter. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> I mean, this is all awesome too, because every all this training that goes into it is just kind of uh I think it kind of shows something about Tom Cruise where he's that dedicated to the craft and right. to the art of the whole thing and just to making the most believable final product. Well, that's as the possible. thing. Like in Mission Impossible 5, there's an, in the opening sequence of the movie, you don't really know what the mission is, but you know that they have to get something off of an airplane and yeah. the airplane's about to take off. And you hear Tom Cruise over the radio, he's like, I'm right next to the door. Just open it. And the airplane's taking off. And when they show the side of the plane, Tom Cruise is hanging on the door on the side of the plane <laughs> yeah. as it's lifting off the ground. Turns out he really did that stunt. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And all they, and what you don't see is that he was strapped to the side of the plane, but they digi- they removed the you know digital harness to show you how he was protected. You can't tell. Yeah. But when you find out that he really was... Um, hanging on the side of the plane, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. In Mission Impossible 4, there's a sequence where he's got to climb up. I can never remember the name of the building because it's a... I, I always forget what it is, but it's that tall, like, building in Dubai. Okay, I know what you're talking about. But, he, cl- yeah. he free climbs on the outside of it in Mission Impossible 4. He really did it. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't... That was actual stunt work on the actual building on location. It wasn't like they did it in a studio. Yeah. So he's always trying to push the envelope and make it more real, more real, more real. It lends to the acting. It lends to the intensity. Um, going into Mission Impossible Fallout, I knew that all of it was real. So yeah. I'm watching it like at the edge of my seat waiting for something to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do know he, I guess he broke a couple ribs shooting the movie and he broke his ankle. Okay. Um, if you watch the movie, you can tell where he broke his ankle. <laughs> is it when he's running on the top of the roof? It's, it's when he's doing that, like, kind of, like, three-quarters of the way through the movie. He's running. He's chasing Henry Cavill. Okay. And he's, like, on foot, and he's running, and yeah. Simon Pegg's going to tell him Yeah, I guess three-quarters of the way And he leaps across a building, and you can see it, because when he... <laughs> and, and what's interesting is he didn't break... Can't, like, the camera yeah. kept rolling. And I guess, from what I read, he climbed, he climbed up from where he... Like, when he landed, he broke his ankle... He finished the climb, ran as fast as he could off camera before he collapsed. That's awesome. I, like, mean, yeah. I mean, it's not awesome that he broke his ankle, but it's awesome that no, he's No, but it, that he was dedicated, dedicated to yeah. do it, and he made it work for him. And mm-hmm. Forget the stunts. Forget the excitement of the film. This movie's awesome. Mm-hmm. Even as a story, the movie's awesome. And it's super intense, and it's... It, I mean, like me, if you've watched from one all the way through six... And you've grown with the characters. There's some story stuff in there that makes it have an emotional weight. Mm-hmm. Where because you hadn't seen it that way, you might not have gotten that emotional weight. Right. So. Um, um, yeah. So I, I definitely recommend watching all the rest. Right on. Yeah, and then I just think it's like cool. Like this whole conversation is really awesome, and like how much work has gone into these movies and it's just like it just shows how much maybe this is a spoiler there's a good chance this movie could end up on my final list of 2018 when we get there <laughs> right um but it's uh, definitely making my short list there's yeah, there's, sure. there's movies i haven't seen yet because we're in oscar push season and there's some stuff that i'm really excited to see so okay nice yeah 
Um, but we we talked about Mission Impossible when it came out in theater. We just blew it up some more. We're <laughs> probably going to talk about it again down the road. So yeah, for sure. What's your final pick of the night? And I have a feeling we matched. <laughs> <laughs> my final pick is uh, Top Gun. So. Uh, hey, my final pick is Top Gun. <laughs> uh, we talked about this uh, on another episode a lot. Um, yeah, we did. But I mean, really, just like this movie is really fun. It's really awesome 80s movie but it's just like it's one of those movies that i just like to watch to like pump me up like it just puts me in a right. good mood and kind of makes me want to go out there and conquer the world so to speak so i don't know if you have any like major thoughts on top gun right now or um i don't this is one of, again this is one of those movies i watched many many times it's one of those movies that makes me stop flipping channels and i watch it um i i always find it funny when i find out someone hasn't seen this movie like if you tell me you had, if you tell me you haven't seen Star Wars, I think to myself, why haven't you seen yeah. Star Wars? But then I don't really worry about it as much because maybe you're not into space stuff, and yeah. maybe it's just not your cup of tea. That's fine. But when you tell me you haven't seen Top Gun, I'm usually like something's clearly wrong with yeah. you. Um, I I know a guy who hasn't seen this movie, but he pretends he has. No, because his boss talks about it all the time, and he just pretends he has around his boss, and I just think it's a really funny situation. But I'm, I'm there with you. Like, it's really surprising when people this haven't is, seen it. You know, this is a movie. I this is a movie about uh, fighter pilots in the Navy going to the school to learn how to be better fighter pilots. If you don't know what Top Gun is, if you yeah. if you somehow live under a rock and manage to not know <laughs> what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, like, the perfect age for this when it came out because I was all about, like, dude, these are really cool airplanes and whatnot. And, you know, um, I'm really excited for Top Gun 2 when that finally releases. Um, I know they're shooting it right now. So I'm excited, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is Top Gun is also a movie that I can quote all the way through. I could probably... We could probably just start right now and just run the entire <laughs> film. Uh, without the movie playing, I could probably quote the whole film for you. Um so yeah nice I mean yeah it's hard to think of stuff I didn't say before in a previous episode but it's just it's a great film I think it's cool since we got to the end of the list I think it's cool what was it one two three four we four of the five we uh, matched right you know I think it's cool I knew that at some point we were gonna get to a point where we actually matched multiple times um unlike before but you know you and i grew up watching a lot of the same movies so yeah you know. for sure um i'm just looking at the list you only had one mission you only had the mission impossible fallout yeah so the reason the mission impossible fallout makes it as opposed to all the others as much as i love the, so i love that first one i love the third like the second one okay i understand people's problems the third one absolutely loved it up and until mission impossible fallout came out mission impossible 3 was my absolute favorite mission impossible okay i thought 4 was a a great piece and um the cool part about 4 is even when you think the movie's over right at the end they show you something and you're like (gasps) like you get (laughs) you get kind of excited about something and then mission impossible 5 was really great which mission impossible 5 story directly leads into events that happen in mission impossible fallout the problem is these movies are so tied into each other and they that i wanted i figured i put mission impossible fallout on there and it'll speak for the entire series Okay. So, and that was really what I was thinking about. I was like, you know, Mission Impossible 1 should speak for the whole series, and I should just have that on my list. But when it came down to it, I I like this new one so much better than the original. And, you know, I I want, I now want to stop this conversation and go watch Mission Impossible (laughs) Fall. Right on. So, Um, 
It's it's a shame you didn't have a list just filled with Mission Impossible movies, though. <laughs> <laughs> I technically could have. I could have had uh, five Mission Impossibles and an honorable mention. Yeah. <laughs> Two would probably make the honorable mention. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm just... Overall, these movies are just great. And I read an article about him. Tom Cruise had apparently a meeting with someone about another Mission Impossible film. Now, do we want more Mission Impossibles? Absolutely. If Tom Cruise wants to make more Mission Impossibles, bring it on. If he wants to be the guy in the background and not being the guy on the mission, bring it on. Mission Impossible right now is doing everything that the James Bond films should be doing, and they're not. And... You know, I if you guys want to keep bringing them, great. I'm excited, and I will. My butt will be in the seat for, for sure. all of them. So, um, yeah. I mean, with you saying that, it kind of reminds me when I was, you know, looking up movies for my list, and I went to Tom Cruise's IMDb page. He's actually in, like, he's been in a lot of movies, but I felt like it was a shorter list than I imagined it would be, and it's kind of cool. Like, I feel like he really just gets involved with movies he really is passionate about, right. or you know, really feel believes in, and. I mean, if he believes in doing more Mission Impossible movies, like you said, you know, let's see him. And it's one of those things where I haven't seen all his movies, but the ones I have seen, and you look at the ones that he's been involved in, and, like, they're all, like, really successful, interesting films. So it's, I mean, it's just kind of right, cool. Right, exactly. You know? He's one of the biggest movie stars, and he makes really smart choices in terms of the films he does. And Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, so here's what we're going to do next week. So Peter and I were talking offline a little bit, and he technically next week's supposed to be his pick, but we realized that we're in a 2019 right now, and we did our top tw- we did our top five anticipated movies for 2019, but we didn't really talk the TV side. So next week we're actually going to kind of push Peter's pick. We're going to push Peter's <laughs> list idea back a little bit, and we're going to do our top five television animated. Uh, not animated. <laughs> Sorry, Tele- I got confused for a second. We're going to do our top five television anticipated things for 2019. Yeah. They can be um, animated. They, but can, they, don't they, have to they be. can be animated. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I, I, I can tell you that Game of Thrones will probably make my list. Um, but we'll talk that next week. Um, so, did you have anything else to say as a final? Anything like about that before we close out for the night? Um, just that we're serious. Don't take part in the bird box challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do. It. Everyone, be smart. Don't. The challenges on the internet are dumb. Let the laugh at the uh, laugh at the Instagram videos and Vine videos of people doing stupid things and call it a day. That I mean, we had America's Funniest Home Videos back in the day for that very reason. Uh, you don't. Not everyone has to be a part of them. Um, so with that being said. Um, for the top five report, uh, if you want to email us, we're at top five report at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Facebook, we're at top five report. If you want to um, check out our website, it's top five report.com. And if you, if you would do us a huge favor, share us with your friends. We're on iTunes. Give us a subscribe to us. Tell your friends about us and uh, write us a review. Give us five stars if you think we're uh, worthy of it. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Drew3927. Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. Great. And um, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. Peter. And this podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Good night.